the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. For all the kids up through the 10th grade, please come forward. So I can see you sit right here for me. Good morning. So I'm doing a, in my big people sermon, I'm doing a, a, a series on heaven. What, what is heaven like? And we talked a little bit about that last week. And it's interesting that St. Paul in, in the second reading today from the, to the church in Corinth, he says, he says this about himself. He says, I was... He said, I know a man, but he's talking about himself, that was caught up to the third heaven. I don't know what the third heaven looks like, and I don't know what one and two or four and five looks like, but he says, I was caught up to the third heaven. And then uh, a few sentences later, he says, I was caught up into paradise. In other words, while he was still living, he somehow found himself in heaven like St. John did in the gospel I mean, Revelation. St. John, he was, um, he got in trouble by the um, government. I mean, he was a good man, a great Christian, but sometimes Christians and government don't get along. And so they, they, they sent him to a, an island in exile. And he says while he was there that he was caught up into heaven and he saw a vision and he looked through that open door that he saw and he saw all the glory of heaven. And that's what Paul talks about too. Paul's always talking about wanting to be in heaven, uh, but he's got to finish his race on earth. He's got to do what God wants him to do. He's ready to go to heaven, but he's got to go through everything that God wants him to go through on earth. And so I, I, I wonder, um, do we have that kind of thinking? Do we think a lot about heaven and, and about wanting to be with God because we've been told and, and we've and we know in our prayers that, that heaven is a wonderful place where we'll all be together, those who love the Lord, and we'll be with God forever. I, I wonder what that's... It's like this. Let me, give you, let me give you an example. I have an old pair of shoes in the garage that I use in the yard, and they're muddy, and I don't ever clean them, really. So when I come in, I just take them off and leave them in the garage, and they've got mud all over them. They're my old shoes. They're not good shoes. They're not like these. These are dress shoes. I wear these all the time. And so when I go out to work in the garden, I will put on those muddy, cracked shoes, really old shoes, and so that, you know, so that I don't get my dress shoes dirty. Now, you can, if I were to bring that shoe and show you this shoe and ask you which one you would want to wear uh, to go to a party or something, which one would you choose? This one or the old muddy shoe? The, this one, right? The, the, the shiny one, the, the dress shoe? You know, I wonder why that is. Is it a better shoe? Does it look better? Does it feel better? It does, doesn't it? Well, that's kind of what Paul was saying. Right now, I'm walking on this earth, and I'm doing what God wants me to do, but when I get to heaven, it's going to be so much better like this shiny shoe. I won't have to be in that muddy shoe anymore. I'll be in a shiny shoe, and, and, and heaven's going to be like that, and I'll be with God and I'll be with all the, the people that I love who have known the Lord. And, and we'll all be together and we'll be praising God and doing all sorts of wonderful things. And that's what, that's what Paul's talking about. 
And that's what I want us to all get excited about what heaven is like and how it can be in our hearts to, to yearn for being wanting to be with God full time and being there. But we got to stay here and do what God wants us to do until God takes us home. And God's going to take us all home, those who believe, right? We believe that. God's going to take us home to be with him. So think about heaven, okay? Like Paul thought about heaven, like St. John thought about heaven, like millions of Christians in the past have thought about heaven. Think about heaven a lot because that's our home. Heaven is, I know you're going to go home with your dad today, right? And, and, and that's called home, but, but heaven's our real home. Heaven's going to be our real home forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Okay? Think about that. If you want to, oh, oh, yeah, if you want a packet to, to do some games on, you can get a packet and go back to your, to your dad. You, I know you don't want to. If you want to get a packet right there, then go back to your grandparents. I need a hand. Thank you. <laughs> Hey, it's dark. I can't see. Oh, there it is. So there was this pastor who found himself wondering, as I have often done, whether there will be any golf courses in heaven. And this pastor even begins to start praying about it, asking God, are there going to be golf courses in heaven? One day, this pastor received an answer to his prayers, a direct answer from on high, and the messenger, heavenly messenger, said, yes, these are, there are many excellent golf courses in heaven. The greens are always in perfect condition. The weather is beautiful, and you always get to play with the nicest of people. And the pastor said, oh, thank you. That's really marvelous news. And the heavenly messenger replied, yes, isn't it? Oh, yes, and we've got you down for foursome next Saturday. <laughs> well, then there's the man who arrives at the gates of heaven. St. Peter, Peter asks uh, denomination. And the man answers, uh, Methodist. St. Peter looks down at his list and says go to room 24 but be very quiet when you pass room 8 another man arrives at the gates of heaven denomination I'm Lutheran go to room 18 but be very quiet as you pass room 8 a third man arrives at heaven denomination I'm Presbyterian we'll go to room 11 but be very quiet when you pass room 8 and the man says I I can understand why there might be different rooms for different denominations, but why must I be quiet when I pass room eight? And St. Peter tells him, well, he says the Catholics are in room eight and they think they're the only ones here. <laughs> I could have said that. I could have said Baptist. I could have said any denomination, really. Well, I ended up last week saying that heaven is our home. And it is paradoxical, isn't it? Our home is a place where we've never been. 
We live in a land between the Garden of Eden and the new earth. When the Bible says we are sinners through Adam, it suggests that we have an essential connection back to the Garden of Eden, what was called paradise. In a sense, the memories of the Garden of Eden are built into us, and that's why we can't, cannot be fully content with anything less. Listen to what Randy Al, uh, Alcorn says in his book, Heaven. He says, we are homesick for Eden. We're nostalgic for what is implanted in our hearts. It's built into us, perhaps even at a genetic level. We long for what the first man and woman once enjoyed, a perfect and beautiful earth with free and untainted relationships with God, with each other, with animals, with our environment. We long for a return to paradise, a perfect world without the corruption of sin, where God walks with us and talks with us in the cool of the day. The reason we want to live on an ideal earth is because we were made, we were created to live on an ideal earth. The reason we long to have enriching relationships with God and with people is because we were made to have these kinds of relationships. We didn't make up this idea, God did. We were made to know joy, yet we end up desperately searching for joy in all the wrong places and finding instead addictions and hollowness and misery and suffering. Remember last week I read from Revelation 21, St. John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old order of things has passed away. No longer will there be any curse. Then he says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. I want you to hear that. Where Jesus is, that's where heaven will be. It's so profound, and yet it is so simple. Here it is. The incarnation and the resurrection of Christ will continue forever. The incarnation and the resurrection of Christ continues forever. This is called the doctrine of continuity, and it runs throughout the Bible. It's not that Jesus became a baby boy at Christmas, and then 33 years later came the resurrection, and then his ascension into heaven, and then he stopped being a man. No, the second person of the Holy Trinity will have his humanity for the rest of eternity. And we really should be stunned by that that Jesus kept his humanity along with his divinity. And get this, we will be with him, resurrected people living with a resurrected Christ. And physically resurrected people, they need a physical place to live. That physical place will be, as I said last week, the new earth. Now think about what this means. Often when we think about heaven, when we do think about heaven, we think of going up into some kind of angelic realm to live with God in his place, whatever that place is. 
But in fact, the Bible says the ultimate heaven will be God coming down from his place to live with us in our place, the new earth. That's the place he's making for us. He's preparing for us. Remember John 14, where Jesus tells his disciples, you trust God, don't you? Trust me also. There's plenty of room for you in my father's house. If that weren't so, would I have told you that I am on the way to get a room ready for you? And if I'm on my way to get your room ready, I will come back and I will take you to where I live. And you know the way that I am going. Where will he be, Jesus? Where will he be? He will be eventually on the new earth. You know, we've heard it said, this world is not our home. That's true, but it's only half true. We should qualify that by saying this world as it is now, under the curse, is not our home. But we should also say this world as it once was, before sin, before the curse, was our home. And we should also add this world as it one day will be, delivered from the curse, will be our home. In the intermediate heaven, we will be with Christ and we will be joyful. But it won't be our permanent home. It's the intermediate heaven. We will be looking forward to our bodily resurrection and our relocation to the new earth as it comes down from heaven. Did you know that of, of Americans who believe in the resurrection of the dead, two-thirds of them believe they will not have bodies after the resurrection? But you know what? That's self-contradictory. A non-physical re resurrection is like a sunless sunrise. There's no such thing. Resurrection means that we will have bodies. If we didn't have bodies, we wouldn't be resurrected. The Bible is never content with a disembodied spirit. Now, that does fit with Platonism or Eastern mysticism, but it does not fit into Christian understanding. Now, get this. We have fallen for the lie that the physical creation is bad, is inferior, is unspiritual, but that's a heresy in 1 Timothy Chapter 4, it's called a doctrine of demons. God created the material universe and he called it good. And Jesus went to the cross not only to redeem us, but to redeem the earth and to redeem the material universe itself. Romans 8 is very clear about this. Verses 18 through 22, St. Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. The creation waits with eager anticipation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. And he finishes by saying, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Now let me once again help you understand the difference between the intermediate heaven and the eternal heaven by giving you an analogy. 
Suppose you live at a homeless shelter here in Houston. One day you inherit a beautiful house on a gorgeous hillside overlooking Santa Barbara, California, and you pack your bags. And on your flight to Santa Barbara, Barbara you, you'll change planes in Denver where you'll spend an afternoon, some family members that you haven't seen in years, they will meet you at the Denver airport and you'll spend some time together, then you'll board the plane together for Santa Barbara. You look forward to seeing your family. Now, when the Houston ticket agent asks you, what is your destination, would you say, my destination is Denver? I don't think you would. You, you would say Santa Barbara because that is your final, your ultimate destination. If you mention Denver at all, you would only say, I'm going to Santa Barbara through way of Denver. And in the same sort of way, if we are going to the new earth by way of the intermediate heaven. That's where our brief layover is, whatever that looks like outside of time. That's where we will be until the resurrection. The heaven we go to when we die is a temporary dwelling place. It's just a stop along the way. It's a great place, much better than the Denver airport, but it's a layover on the way to our final destination, which is the new earth. Another analogy might be more accurate. Imagine leaving the homeless shelter in Houston and flying to Denver and then turning around and going back home to a completely renovated new Houston. In this new Houston, you'll no longer live in a homeless shelter, but in a beautiful house in a glorious, pollution-free, crime-free, sin-free, humidity-free city. Someone at the last service told me afterwards, mosquito-free, yes, mosquito-free. So you would end up living in a new home, which is a radically improved version of your old home. This is what the Bible promises us. We will live with Christ and with each other, for those of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, forever not in the intermediate heaven, but on the new earth where God will come down to dwell with his people, where resurrected people will live with the resurrected Christ for all eternity. Listen to this. The first verse of the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then the prophet Isaiah in chapter 65 says, behold, has God saying, behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. And then Isaiah 66 says, As the new heavens and the new earth that I make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so will your name and descendants endure. And then Peter in his second letter says, In keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. And in the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 21, John says, Then I saw a new heaven and I saw a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. What is the new earth, you might ask? Not a difficult question. New is the adjective that modifies the noun earth. A new earth is an earth that is made new 
or maybe an earth renewed. The new earth will be righteous, and that's the heart of its newness. No more sin, no more curse, no more death. It will be earth as God meant it to be in the first place. It will be this same earth, but this same earth transformed into something new. A new earth, not a non-earth, but an earth restored to its original state. Again, here is the doctrine of continuity, which is central to Scripture. We die. We give an account for our lives. We can only do that if we are the same people with memories. Job in the Old Testament said, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another how my heart yearns within me. In the resurrection, we're told that we will have new bodies. Not non-bodies, but new bodies. But God will not make a body that never before existed. He will resurrect our old bodies from the atoms, from the molecules, from the DNA, and everything else that makes up our, our bodies. Job said, I myself and not another. So Stan will still be Stan, the doctrine of continuity. In just the same way, the new earth will still be earth. What else would it be? Will the new earth be changed from this earth? Yes. The old order of things will pass away and all things will be made new. But what is the old order? It is the curse. It is suffering. It is death. It is sin. Just as I will be the new me in Christ without all the bad stuff of Stan, the new earth will be earth without all the bad stuff. Okay, now here's the part I don't like to talk about. I wish I could just talk about the new earth and nothing else, but at this point, I do have to include a warning. A Barna poll shows that for every American who believes that he or she is going to hell, there are 120 others who believe that they are going to heaven. But listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I didn't make that up. Jesus said it. I'm not his editor. I'm just his messenger. We assume that people are good, so it shocks us that some people would go to hell. So the question is, why would we go to hell? And Romans 3.23 answers that question. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In the original Greek, all means all. Simple, which is why the translators chose the word all, everyone. God is so holy that he cannot allow sin into his presence. 
Sin separates us from God, and separation from God is the true definition of hell. Because we are sinners, we cannot enter heaven as we are. So heaven is not our default destination, as many people like to think. No one goes there automatically. Unless our sin problem is resolved, the only place we can go is our true default destination, which is separation from God, which is hell, because all, everyone has sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And this is why it is so important for us to remember that God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to let us stay that way. So Jesus came to change us. Consider the love of God. He determined that he would rather go to the far reaches of hell on our behalf than live in heaven without us. He wants us so much not to be separated from him that he went to hell for us on the cross so that we wouldn't have to. And like any gift, forgiveness can be offered, but it isn't ours until we receive it. And we can only do that through repenting and confessing our sins and receiving God's gift of salvation. And once that happens, if we love Jesus and we long for heaven, which remember is wherever Jesus is, then God is not ashamed to be called our God. And he has a city and he has a room prepared for you and for me. Now, as I said last week, if any of you know anyone who desperately needs hope and a vision about our eternal destiny, then invite them to join us next week for part three of this three-part series. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.